With millions of copies of their materials circulating in over 200 countries around the world, this group may seem like just another branch of Christianity. But under the surface, fear-mongering, scare tactics, and outright abuse permeate this group that makes leaving feel like a decision as serious as death. This week's episode is Jehovah's Witnesses, Part 2. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. Well, a thank you to everyone for the lovely feedback from part one, from emails, DMs, comments, uh, comments on Reddit, comments on social media. Thank you to everybody who's listened so far. And thanks for all the additional information folks have sent in for us. For sure. We have received so many, so many emails from so many people that have their own story and I am making my way through them. I got to take them in doses because- it's uh they're all very similar in horrible ways so to you know read 15 of those back to back is it's powerful and it's also validating that Mm -hmm. the information we are giving is widely available it's not even opinion it's just straight up fact and how damaging it is to those that have been subjected to this in in so many ways we got an email yesterday from a former jw that pointed out that you know her and lots of others grow up in this religion and they don't experience sexual abuse or abuse of some type However, just being exposed to the ideologies that are put forth in the JW doctrine, you can't escape that unscathed. Yeah. I mean, the the doctrine that is preached in and of itself is homophobic, sexist. I mean, it goes against getting help for mental health disorders. So they pointed out that even if you grow up and you have a, quote, pretty good childhood following this religion it still isn't a great childhood because there's just rampant abuse going throughout and even if you don't experience it yourself you know someone that did and at the very least you have you're exposed to all these harmful practices and teachings right and and that's only if you get a hold of literature doctrine apostate stuff from the outside world because of course none of the the contradictions that we point out are not highlighted the harmful practices that are encouraged are not highlighted the watchtower in fact will see sort of changes its mind whenever it wants to Mm -hmm. so yeah even Best case scenario growing up in this group. Best case scenario. Nobody even hits you. Nobody talks cross to you. You were still hearing that by its very nature of a controlled, coercive organization manipulating its followers, it still is harmful. Even Mm -hmm. at at its best, it's terrible. At its best, it's terrible. 
and at its worst, it's unimaginable. Oh, just it's sickening, truly sickening. I, I, there are stories I have read. I will be honest with you. There are stories I've read about what people have done to each other that I haven't even mentioned or sent to you because it's stuff that's so heinous that's done in the name of God that's done because of these things that goes beyond the heinous stuff that we're even going to talk about today in the next one. Like there, that's how bad it goes when I when we say the worst is unimaginable. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, uh, yeah. So, some things you can't speak about. You can't as even, yeah. Our queen Taylor Swift says, and I saw, and we see you, XJW subreddit. We see you, and someone said, "Great job." They didn't even scratch the surface, right? And and I mean that episode was an hour and a half and weeks long worth of research, and that shows you just how. In layered and insidious, this really is. And we on the outside, as apostates, proudly, I mean, there's only so much we can read and watch and be able to regurgitate that in the sense that we don't know everything. I mean, right. to, to be in it is to truly know how horrible it is and to see the things that are unspeakable and things that aren't made available to the public, no matter how much digging you do. So mm -hmm. as much as we might know now and can speak about this, it, it like they said, it, we, until you're like entrenched in it, I really don't think even then you can understand how damaging this is. Truly. I mean, people dedicate their entire lives to this, you know, folks that get out then turn and become advocates. And it's interesting because on the one hand, I think because the JW as a, as a whole, the Watchtower Society is like, oh, you want to preach the good news. The idea is to bring more people into the fold. So I think it naturally attracts people who are thoughtful, conscientious, want justice. And so then when they are that waking up of like, oh my God, it is worse than I could have ever imagined. You see them on the other side saying, no, I'm still going to fight for justice. I'm still going to fight for what's right, but it's against the Watchtower. So it's like, you know, y'all have uh, Watchtower recruited good souls in a lot of these cases who go, oh, hell no, and have to mm -hmm. quit and then become those mouthpieces. And for, But for a lot of brave people who risked a lot of shit, a bunch of this would not come to light. So thank you to everybody who's risked not only your own, being connected to your family, safety, whatever, but just maybe being sued by the way. You know, they get litigious, mm -hmm. so all the risks that uh, any of the XJWs or the folks that are still in, you know, mentally out but physically in, Thank you for all you do to leak stuff and, and reveal what's really going on. Absolutely. You are, uh, no pun intended, doing the Lord's work. Truly. And um, I saw an encouraging post on the XJW subreddit from someone that said, I think that more spotlight is being shown on them now that is in a negative light that they do not want, specifically with child sexual abuse. And so many people are now talking about it and showing it for what it truly is, that this person was pitching the idea that a mass exodus from the religion is coming, that people yeah. are wising up to it. And I mean, more and more, you can tell people to stay offline or whatever. It's not going to happen. And I mean, I've heard from a lot of people that said, I grew up in one where everyone had Instagram. Someone even said... Instagram is a really big thing because it's a way for you to show just how dedicated you are as a witness. Wow. Like 
like any type of social media and influencer. And they're like, it's all about what the governing body sees and how, you know, many videos you put out and how dedicated you are. And I'm like, wow, even something that kids look to, to like for answers, they're using it as a way to, you know, kind of spread the message in other ways that are more relevant. Right. Trying to keep claws in people too. Mm-hmm. Of like, oh, you can have Instagram, but we'll be watching and it yeah. better be all in the name of Jehovah. But I think even with that, you, there's only so many holes you can plug because there's just so many holes in the concept of their doctrine that, you know, somebody on the XJW said, oh, reading 1984, that was a, a mandatory book in high school. Having to read 1984, I was like, oh, this is exactly like the Watchtower and the Governing Body. And that's whenever I started questioning things. So it's something as simple as you go to school and do an assignment. Well, mm-hmm. it's like, well, maybe your kids shouldn't be in the world schools they should be at home so there's only so much where you become more and more insular and i think that that estimation is right we may see this shrink and shrink and shrink uh but we'll like and we'll talk about all their assets in part three and the money part of it which i think may try to keep their claws in another thing too that i had thought about and then several other people have mentioned in their emails the numbers are grossly inflated as far as how many JWs are worldwide that they like to put on their website, that you know, 8.7 million people. So a lot of those are PMOs, physically in, mentally out, or like others we've heard from in like Freaky Friday, they mm-hmm. just kind of, they're not disfellowship. They just, you know, kind of Homer Simpson back into the bushes. So on paper, their number is still there, but they're not there. Yeah. But it's a way for them to look like their numbers are bigger than they are, which, you know, can be a a selling point. Right. I'm sure if somebody is just fading quietly, but not outright disassociating or doing something that would get disfellowship, certainly you'd want to count them. Absolutely. You look so great. You look huge. So, but yeah, I think it is the, the active numbers are much smaller than what's been uh, put out there. Well, Last week, we gave a content warning. It's the same one for this week with some additions, some added stuff um, to the point where I had to message Heather and go, I think I'm going to rearrange this and we're going to have it go X, Y, Z. And you said, when we have to discuss the order in which we're discussing human rights violations, it's definitely a cult. Right. We're like, which one do we put in what order? What human rights violations do we list in what order? Then, yeah, it's not like maybe it's just a religion that's got a bad light cast on it. It's like, no, insidiously as a whole, step mm-hmm. by step by step, it's it's corrupt. Yeah. So this episode is going to contain discussions of religious abuse, sexual abuse, birth trauma, and familicide to... Name a few. There's probably, I mean, it's a, it's a gut punch. So yeah, if that's not for you. Then I would, I would skip over it. Understandably. So it's, it's been hard for us to research and discuss. And I, I know from hearing from people that are still in it or XJWs, it's been hard for them to listen to. Cause they're like, I kind of pushed down a lot of this trauma and forgot about a lot of these things. And then like the floodgates opened of memories when y'all were talking about stuff and that'll happen. And, you know, I mean, for, it can be healing. I hope it is for a lot of people that maybe you're able to come to terms with some things that you weren't before. Definitely. Hopefully it is. It's healing and not re-traumatic because there's hopefully power in some of these stories and saying, you pushed it down because you're like, it was so bad. I don't want to believe it's real. Well, that denies you some of the validity of like, no, it was real and it did happen. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into it. For the past century, Jehovah's Witnesses have ministered door to door, proselytizing to anyone that will listen about Jehovah's teachings. Witnesses are instructed to never question these teachings, fearing they will be labeled an apostate, doomed to burn to death in Armageddon. This deadly consequence, however, does not apply to everyone within the organization. Indeed, the governing body, using the justification that they are the mouthpiece of God, continue to make changes to the JW doctrine that are expected to be accepted and celebrated rather than punished. One such change involves the so-called 144,000 anointed ones, an early teaching of the Watchtower Society. That number is only mentioned twice in the Bible, both times in Revelation, but the group has fixated on it literally. Founder C.T. Russell told followers that by 1881, 144,000 souls had already been chosen to live in heaven by God. These souls would be considered true Christians by Jehovah and spend eternity with him in heaven. The rest of the souls who serve Jehovah would inherit everlasting paradise on earth after the world ends, while non-followers perish. Russell's successor, J.F. Rutherford, changed this cutoff date from 1881 to 1931 then later to 1935. He declared that as the year that the heavenly call for souls ceased. New arrivals could only hope for everlasting paradise on earth, but not in heaven, since all the spots had been taken. In 2007, the Watchtower changed this stance once again, now stating that some people born since 1935 still had hope to be anointed by God and become one of the chosen ones. And talk about 1984 right off the bat. The like, don't believe what I said, believe what I'm saying, because I knew shit has come to light. And it's like, you're just changing your mind because the date came and went, you jackass. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem (laughs) with doomsday cults is when the date comes and goes, you're kind of left holding the bag, looking like an idiot. And then you have to, oh, oh, well. New new information has come to light. Stand by. <laughs> it's not going to be 1931. Now it's going to, well, you got four more years, so you better make them count. They're like, but the they door- can't be, don't go to college. Don't spend those four years going to college. No, no. The door is closing. You better jump in. Also terrible for recruitment. There was a bunch of, someone has, uh, I think it was on jwfacts.com. It might have been on XJW, but someone had gone together and kind of pieced. And this was also one of the things that James Zimmerman, who wrote Deliverance at Hand, this kind of memoir of his own internal, because he wasn't even looking at apostate websites, internally comparing these and going, boy, it used to say this and now it says this. And oftentimes young uh, JWs who are hungry for knowledge, who are like, I'm going to go read J.F. Rutherford's book, and then I'm going to read Nathan Knorr's book. The older ones will go, well, we didn't they didn't really know what they were talking about, so be careful reading all of that. So it's like you're having to always change it. But let me just say for recruitment, a hard cutoff number is fucking stupid. <laughs> it's just a terrible <laughs> idea. Join our cult. All the spots are full. Listen, you're not going to heaven. Sorry. Bad news. <laughs> yeah, the best we're going to give you is everlasting paradise on earth. But heaven, it's out of the question. I'm sorry you should have been born earlier. Yeah, that's the other thing. Well, then they start trying to do math. They're like, well, about 56,000 was maybe in Israel. Maybe this. And now they've just sort of said, well, you never know. Who? Maybe it could be any of us. You Definitely. never know. Yeah. You never know, except you always know. And it's Jehovah or die. And so you can't question it. It's this just cycle of nonsense of we're going to change all these things. So you got to keep up. But also 
don't ever question anything and and you can't ever change anything only only we can bring up questions that maybe should be changed and then we're going to tell you and then you can't question it you just got to talk about it and that's not even that you're saying that and it maybe as a listener would laugh but like verbatim is what one of the vice presidents of the watchtower said on the stand when he was questioned about doctrine changing like an attorney's like Wait, but you said this and you said that everyone has to believe it 100% or they will perish forever and get kicked out of the group. That is correct. Now, (laughs) but then you changed it and you said that was wrong and they got to change it and they got to believe the new one. Yes, that's correct as well. And he's like, why? And he's like, unity, unity at all costs. Yeah, Jehovah. And then it's, it's period, full stop. You can't question it anymore after that. Mind boggling. Yeah, it truly is. I mean- it's confusing to say because it's confusing to even try and understand. Certainly, yeah. Because it's made up five, like six different times by 17 different dudes. Yeah. And also, I mean, like with a lot of cults, keeping your followers confused is a tactic to keep them under your control. It's a good way to keep infighting amongst each other of who is the most holy and most worthy. So then they're all trying to fight for your attention versus them all getting together and going, we think we've been sold some bullshit and we've got some problems with you leadership. It's like, no, no, no. Keep fighting with each other. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like what all the rich oligarchs have done to all of us for the past like 200 years. <laughs> Just keep yeah. everybody fighting amongst each other. We'll be counting the money. Absolutely. Some witnesses feel that they have already been chosen to be one of the 144,000. As an anointed one, you are allowed to partake in the bread and wine in memory of Jesus at the annual memorial meeting. The Watchtower made it clear in its literature that only those who God himself has anointed can partake in the communion. At all times, members of the governing body remain anointed ones in the 144,000. However, some witnesses over the years have declared themselves anointed simply because they felt moved by the voice of God. Watchtower leadership warns they may be led astray, writing in 1996. Over the years, some, even ones newly baptized, have suddenly begun to partake. In a number of cases, after a while, they acknowledged that this was an error. Some have recognized that they partook as an emotional response to perhaps physical or mental strain, but they came to see that they really were not called to heavenly life. They asked for God's merciful understanding. You think that was their idea? So now it's like, (laughs) they're like, God will tell you when you're chosen. And if you're like, I think I've been told by God, they're like, you're crazy. We don't have enough bread for everyone. Please spit it out. I think you've been mistaken. Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? (laughs) So I mean, I mean, like you just said, like with many organizations of power, there's a handful of people that really benefit from everything and everybody else is just a pawn in their game. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what can I say to these people to control them and shut them up? Mm -hmm. And now you're gaslighting them because it's like, you'll feel the the spirit will move you and then you feel moved and they're like, well, it wasn't really the spirit, probably indigestion, sit back down. (laughs) And and for those that are steadfast in their faith and really believe in this, to be told, no, you didn't receive that. I mean, that... That's devastating to hear that, oh, what I thought was an actual message of God that I believed and I've based my whole life on, I'm now being told by a a, a leader a, a, that I a physical leader that I can see, no, that was that wasn't it. You're wrong. Well, how do you know? You're not me. You don't know what I felt or heard. 
Well, they talk to God too, and that's God, true. I forgot. It sounds forgot. like God is really meddling with everybody because He's whispering to the governing body. Well, Heather doesn't know what she's talking about, but meanwhile, He's telling me, "Hey, fuck those guys." <laughs> like, so we've been mm-hmm. having two different conversations. That's what always gets me, and uh, I could go on a rant because I was uh, bullied as a non-Christian kid by some really religious kids in grade school, and one of those things was like, "Oh, well, God told me this," and I was like. You can't just say God told you a thing. I can say just anybody told me anything. They're like, but I would know you were lying. I'm like, I know you were lying. So anytime you get this like, oh, well, uh, Jesus is whispering to me through the air conditioning vent. How come some of us are uh, made fun of when that happens and others are given houses to live in that the Watchtower Society pays for in upstate New York, like the governing body? Yeah, I remember a, a friend in elementary school coming to me and saying that, um, Jesus had spoken to her and was, and that told her she needed to come to me because I needed saving and to, and she was the one to do it. And I think I just said, cool, and walked away. Like, no, I don't really remember. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. That sounds like a thing that Nancy okay. McKinney would respond to and go, Jesus is not meddling in the affairs of fourth graders. Tell her she's an idiot. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe because I went to an Episcopalian school, but this person was actually very Baptist, but you know, yeah. And grew up in a very religious household as well, but it's looking back now, I think what that must've felt like for what a nine, 10, I don't know how old you are then mm-hmm. to think that that was something that was their responsibility. Oh Yeah. To yeah. save their friend's soul from eternal damnation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And spoiler alert, it wasn't. No. <laughs> it's not on her. <laughs> oh, I just meant my soul was not saved. Oh, I'm, I continue to do whatever I want. Sinister Hood will be right back. The flip-flopping policy is the concept of new light, a reference to unilateral changes to doctrine handed down from the governing body. After Russell's many failed predictions, he used this concept to explain his mistakes. Based on Proverbs 4.18, which reads, But the path of the righteous ones is like the bright light that is getting lighter and lighter until the day is firmly established. Witnesses are to accept change in doctrine as a reflection of the watchtower and governing body's greater understanding of Jehovah's will, being told, The Bible tells us the light would get brighter. I think we talked about it in the first episode of these kind of get out of jail free cars or these loopholes that they create for themselves. So it's like an escape door. If at any time it's like the curtain starts to get pulled back, it's like, no, 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 no. Look over here. Look over here. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. Yeah. The light is just brighter. It's brighter Mm -hmm. over here, though. Don't look on that side. Don't look over there. But it's just another instance of taking a Bible verse out of context, if they didn't already translate it incorrectly, but then taking it out of context. And the part about the, I was watching another documentary and Paris is in the room doing something else, but you know, he studied the Bible in college and stuff. And he's like, the part about the blood transfusion, he's like, that's about eating blood. That, that doesn't even fit. Others have emailed yeah. that in as well. Mm-hmm. But he just like, it's like it, it caught his ear and he's like, and he said also that's probably like a fourth or fifth translation. So it's hard to say that translation is the absolute right one. I was like, yeah, it's just, but if you can make it work for yourself like this, hey, look, it's a new light. Well, I mean, 
if we're going to just say what it is, it's all made up. And so then you get a fifth translation of something that was already a story. And now Mm -hmm. you have another group that's saying, well, we're going to cherry pick. And I mean, that's not uncommon for religions and cult to cherry pick from all sorts of stuff. So it's just interesting that at the end of the day, all of this is over stuff that no one can can prove is even true. Right, exactly. It's like the tr- my version of the truth. Mm-hmm. Which copy are you looking at? And also, were you there? No. No, none of us were. You no. know, I mean, maybe the aliens live under the sea. That's who we need to be talking to because maybe they saw how it all went down in the beginning. <laughs> They're like, but you guys none of us did. So hard. None of this was right. <laughs> oh, shit. You guys weren't even listening to most of what we said. <laughs> Fuck. 144,000 are down here under the sea with us. Can I join? I would take me now, please. <laughs> it's nice. I'll go right now. Dark. That's all my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Perhaps one of the staunchest and most disturbing beliefs of Jehovah's Witnesses is that the apocalypse is imminent. Though, like other teachings, the timeline of impending doom continues to change. Under the new light, this is something JWs must accept without question. Calling it a universal war waged by God, the Watchtower has taught since at least 1925 that the unfaithful, non-witnesses, would be slaughtered and dead forever, and only true followers would have everlasting life with Jehovah. Founder C.T. Russell believed Jesus' presence on earth began in 1874 and preached that faithful souls would be translated into spirit form in 1878. However, the date came and went with no ascension. Russell pushed the date to 1881, recognizing in a writing that all were more or less disappointed when nothing supernatural occurred on his prior failed prophecy. But 1881 was a bust too, and caused some followers to question Russell. He then pushed the date to 1914, explaining that year was the end of human rulership on Earth. Well, you gotta... (laughs) Give it a little oopsie. You're like, well, things have transpired. Oh, no. When 1914 came and went, Russell explained in another publication. We did not say positively that this would be the year. We merely left everyone to look at the facts of history and reckon for himself. Russell then explained that God's kingdom on earth would happen gradually, not all at once. He later marked the beginning of World War I as the start of the end of times changing his prophecy of Armageddon from a date certain to a gradual era. Such a good hack. You got to. (laughs) If you're like, the world's going to end on March 11th, 2025, and then March 11th, suddenly it's March 12th, and you're like, oh no. You just have to be like, listen, over the next few years, shit's, and by few, maybe I meet 100 or 1,000 or 8, shit's going to get bad. (laughs) Yeah, uh, hot take. Things are going to get worse over the next hundred years. <laughs> I mean, better or worse. You tell me what's worse. I have a cell phone now. I have Taylor Swift music. I can go to the bathroom inside my house. I think it's a lot better than oh, things yeah. were in no, 1881. I, I, I am playing devil's advocate. I no, do I think don't. it will get better. But I also think that it's, you know, easy to say all that because you're like, bye. I won't be here because I'll be dead. So I don't have to answer for all of these lies. It's best to make a doomsday prophecy if you're, like, at least 85. Yeah, <laughs> you're yeah, like, yeah. Shit's going down in a year or two, maybe, and you can just bounce. hmm Watchtower literature currently points to 1914 as the beginning of the end of the world, stating, 
Many people agree that since the year 1914, world conditions have matched what the Bible foretold and that the end is near. Recent videos show governing body members referring to the COVID-19 pandemic as further evidence of the ongoing Armageddon, with Stephen Lett saying in 2020 that we are in the final part of the final part <laughs> of the last days. <laughs> That is what he sounds like. <laughs> I'm Stephen Lett, and I'm a governing body member. But maybe I was the claymation figurine that made a wish and came to life. Too bad I have a goofy fucking voice and an evil fucking soul. And the his I hate mouth, him a lot. The his mess. mouth, it is a full body like movement for him to talk the mouth is all over his face the videos that feature steven led should be illegal oh the, i hate him the I content so for much. whatever it's not the content i don't have to look at his face i hate it every part of about him and it's just because you know it's so fucking full of shit and evil like what he oh, said yeah. yeah yeah i feel like he probably took on that affectation with his voice to sound like a cartoon <laughs> character because no one can be scared of me come on children let's go into the kingdom hall by ourselves i won't hurt you like the uh, for no reason like any of the freaky friday stories we ever got of people being like oh i snuck into the waverly hills sanatorium or i snuck into this old house i would sneak into an old house at 3 o'clock, 3.33 a.m. with uh, I would rather do that than spend five minutes in a room with this guy. He is scary as fuck to me. He's he is. You know, I agree. Any amount of horror, scare, whatever, it's something so insidious in your right that he has. he's trying to have this wide-eyed, happy expression, but the words that come out of his mouth are hateful as fuck. Yeah. It's just, it's awful. It's That's why just, it's disturbing. That's why it's disturbing. It's he very disturbing. But he's, what he's saying is horrible. It's like yeah. the white... It's fucked up because it's supposed to be cute. It's supposed to be a doll, like Chucky, like the Chucky doll. It's oh like, no, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. But Chucky also he looks evil, and Stephen yeah. Let he looks evil. Extreme religious people have always freaked me out, and I've never wanted particularly to be alone in a room with them. And he's probably at the top of my list. Yeah, but honestly, and that's just more insidiousness that he's calling it. Well, they realized that in the 70s, they were like, this is the final part of last days. They said that in the 70s. Well, now it's like 30, 40 years later. Yeah. Now you're like, well, it's the end of the final part of the end of the part of the end that already ended. Like, it's what? like scrubs. Just fucking <laughs> leave. Just leave. <laughs> Go out on a high note and don't come back. It wasn't as good. And now you got to explain it to everybody and it doesn't make any sense. Now we're stuck with this eighth season that sucks shit. <laughs> Everyone knows. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I, I, for so many cults, the pandemic was, uh, for existing cults, kind of this feather in their cap of like, we told you, see, it's the end of days is here. And on the flip side, people that maybe had no affiliation to anything like that and then get stuck in their homes for two years and find communities like this online and then, you know, start to spiral. It, that also was a big problem with doomsday cults. You get a global pandemic. I imagine they're like, Oh hell yeah. This is what we've been waiting for. We got them now. Yeah. Witnesses said people on XJW and some of the other uh, interviews I've seen have said like, Oh, when these big things happen, 
for parents or, you know, especially lifelong, long-term people that have been in for a long time trying to say, hey, you know, let's get out of it. Something as big as COVID is like, they were right. Look, Mm -hmm. look, they were right. And so it's vindication, justification. And in some cases, sadly, it gets people dug more down in there because the outside world that they've been told is scary. They're now seeing firsthand. It is really scary. You know, you have to wear masks to go outside. It's a pestilence. And it's, it causes them to just lock down, which is so sad, like stuck, you know, stay in even harder. We're not allowed to get, have medical intervention. So I imagine you're not allowed to have the vaccine. That's a great question. I don't know their stance on the vaccine in particular. They like, I think you can like go get a checkup, but I don't, it says on their website, they like say, if you're sick, you should go to the doctor. They do at least the public facing. The doctor that is approved by us and is also a JW. And yeah, when it says, or if you go to the doctor and they start pushing stuff on you, call the hospital liaison committee, which is not an expert. It's literally just people from the church that are loyal to the governing body who will come and sit in the room with you and make decisions with you. But the video footage I saw from the JW website was this hospital liaison committee was acting without the patient, like Mm. on the patient's behalf, speaking one-on-one with the doctor. And I was like, they just subconsciously set you up by this promotional video that that's what you should expect. That if the hospital liaison committee comes for a blood choice or whatever, that there's they, you should let them speak to the doctor. And wow, that's a lot of control to exert over your followers. Absolutely. According to the current website, In 1914, God's kingdom began ruling in heaven, and one of its first actions was to expel Satan, the devil, and the demons from heaven and restrict their activity to the earth. Satan's influence on mankind can be seen in many of the bad attitudes and actions that make the last days critical times hard to deal with. The website clarifies that the end of the world is predetermined and coming soon though it won't be caused by humans or an astronomical event. Instead, God will send an army of angelic creatures to exterminate his enemies. All those who are not active witnesses at the time will die. Active JWs will be rewarded with a paradise on earth and what they refer to as the real life. And yeah, this material is fucking awful to read it's weird there's photos of uh you know stock photos well not stock photos photos they've taken of like you know a couple of different families all sitting together on a sofa and it says maintaining all contacts with witnesses only gives you a taste of what life in paradise will be like without these worldly people so it's sort of getting you ready quote unquote but instead it's just another way for them to say don't spend any time with Mm -hmm. anybody on the outside it's another way to isolate and and control, uh, put you in that bubble where it's just an echo chamber of the same beliefs over and over. Yeah, I know. Anytime anybody has bad attitude, I'm like, well, that's Satan's influence right there. I'm going to start <laughs> saying that. <laughs> I also take a lot of issue with that they say the end of the world is predetermined. Yes. But then – It just keeps changing. It just, it logically, it doesn't make any sense to me. And that's when, that's why I never really subscribed to any religion growing up is because none of them just really like made sense to me, like from a 
like a logical standpoint, if you wrote it all out, I'm like, but this doesn't all add up. And and the problem is, is the just just faith. It's just faith. You just have to believe right. in faith. I, that's not a good enough answer for me. It is for some, and that's fine. But for me, I got to see some proof. Well, and I was going to say, whenever you say, well, I'm going to need you to make some life or death decisions, I don't know that I want to just go on the gut faith. Maybe right. we could look into this. And so when you see like, okay, it's one thing to say, well, this makes me feel better and I want to take it on faith. But if it is like, hello, we would like to control every aspect of your life, including what type of job you have, how much interaction you have with other people, what type of medical care you have, what type of sex you're having, what type of clothes you're wearing, what when you want to start, then, then yes, it's valid. It's vi- absolutely vital for us to get down to the nitty gritty and going, okay, but why? But why mm-hmm. are we doing all this? Because you are now impacting my life. But yeah, if it's sort of like a live and let live, it's what I believe. It makes me feel happy. Mm-hmm. I got no problem with that. But you're for right. Sure. When you're down to like, you got to subscribe to this so much that you're willing to die for it. I'm going to need to see the fine print. And, I need uh, some receipts. Yeah, it ain't working. <laughs> Author and XJW Amber Scora described device how witnesses are taught that this life is transitory as followers wait for the new system or life after the apocalyptic genocide. Some witnesses delay having children, believing it is better to wait for their, quote, real life in paradise, which is set to happen soon, just after the deaths of all people on Earth except fellow witnesses. And that's a a problem, too, when you start to, again, this is a, a cult, not a cult. If you're even just running a group and you want more people to join and you need more bodies, Telling them that life's fixing to end and they're in much to live for now, that's sort of discouraging. And then you're like, yeah. well, why isn't anyone having kids? We don't have any more members. Well, you just told them they're all going to burn and explode. Yeah. If we're all going to die any day, why am I trying to be pregnant for nine months? I'd rather spend the last few days not dealing with that. But then it's very sad because it comes and goes. And then before you know it, you're 50, 60 years old and you didn't have kids because, and you wanted to, you mm-hmm. know, and you didn't because of this fear. And that's, that's really sad to y- your, your whole one life is affected in a huge way by not, you know, I mean, continuing on your bloodline, so to speak, because of, of just fear. Yeah, because of some group that you just mm-hmm. so happen to either get born into or they came knocking at your door one day and it changed everything. And that idea of it's transitory, you know, do works for Jehovah. We really, really got to go knock on all these doors and save as many people as possible. It's, again, a way to fill everyone's time with things that do not help them personally. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. making myself better. I'm not whatever. But to keep them so busy that they maintain, they are stuck under the control of this organization. It's touted, though, that they are bettering themselves. And for those that, you know, are staunch in this faith, they do think that they are. From an outsider's perspective, when you zoom out and you can see how insidious and dangerous this all is, it's weaponized faith. Right. That's the sad part, I think, too, is you're stealing the opportunity for someone to truly have a spiritual relationship with the universe, the creator, God, Jesus, whatever, that they're, they've they stolen that or and sullied it for a lot of folks, especially, mm-hmm. you know, once they've gotten out. A former member named Romy discussed growing up in the shadow of Armageddon on A&E's cults and extreme beliefs. As a child, Romy was taught people would be up to their neck in urine when the end happened. She told A&E. I just remember being afraid. It was very scary. I was always told, you better watch out because it will be here like a thief in the night. 
Romy had nightmares of what her friends' bodies looked like while decaying on the streets. She recalled to A&E how she was told time and again as a young child that if she did not witness to her worldly friends, she was literally killing them as the only way to avoid this violent fate of Armageddon was by becoming a witness. This is a concept known as blood guilt. Witnesses who do not participate in the monthly preaching activities meant to bring in new members are considered to be blood guilty as they are withholding life-saving information about the apocalypse from their fellow humans. And yeah, you're right. Whenever you're told, hey, this is going to, you're going to save so many lives. However many hours you get out there, however many booklets you hand out, that's how many more souls that you are saving for just, you're bringing glory to Jehovah, but you're actually doing them a huge favor and saving their life. Cause I was always like, barf me to death, knocking on someone's door. I could never. But if you've been indoctrinated to be like, this is an emergency, their house is on fire. You have to knock on the door and tell them that the shit is going down. Then yeah, you would want to do it with a sense of urgency, especially a kid who's like, like all these, there's a bunch of kids in the neighborhood, Billy, do you want to go play soccer or do you want to go knock door to door and try to save lives? It's like, well, soccer suddenly seems very frivolous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge burden and unnecessary stress. It's nothing any child should have to day in and day out from the time they wake up to the time they go to sleep, see images, be told the end is near. Your friends are going to be dead. I mean, how is anyone supposed to not develop extreme anxiety from from that, especially a kid? I mean, that's like that shapes your worldview and your whole trajectory for adulthood. Certainly, especially if it is um, dualistic thinking that you're pushed into of like, you will either be saved Jehovah's Witness or you will perish horribly. Like there's really no room for gray area in this religion. You either are in or you are disfellowship, disassociated mm-hmm. and shunned. You either are this or that. And so putting that in a kid's perspective, we that makes sense in our Freaky Friday episode, you know, when people are saying, I was having these, what I thought were, I wasn't strong enough to control these urges when in reality, it's just like natural human things to get Mm kind of horny. But you think, oh, I am either good or bad. And since I am not good because good people control their thoughts and don't, you know, feel this sexual urges or whatever, I'm therefore bad. And if you're taught it is either good or die, we are going to see that that tends to make people feel like there's no other choices, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Sinisterhood will be right back. For many JWs, the constant discussion and images of an apocalyptic world takes a serious toll on their mental health. A particularly insidious result of the isolationism practiced by witnesses is the lack of access to mental health resources. Although more recent public-facing literature from the Watchtower mentions the importance of seeking professional help for conditions like suicide and depression, The message in the vast majority of Watchtower literature and teachings is clear. Outsiders are apostates operating in a world controlled by Satan, and all guidance should come from Jehovah via Watchtower materials. The material teaches witnesses to control their thoughts to avoid falling out of favor with God. To stop these thoughts, witnesses should fill their minds with either prayer or specific scripture. This command is easy for the Watchtower to write in its doctrine, but impossible to obey for witnesses dealing with diagnosable mental health conditions that cannot be treated through strong thinking alone. 
And that's the hard thing is you can say out of one side of your mouth, yeah, 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 go go talk to a doctor if you need one. But if the and that's a couple of lines in a an otherwise lengthy uh, guide on what to do if you feel like you want to die or you feel depressed or whatever. And when you have you know a little mention here and there in these guides, but the overall message is anybody that's not a JW is the devil talking to you. Then you've just put me between a rock and a mm-hmm. hard place. You've now just told me to go talk to Satan himself and try to figure out what's wrong with yeah. me. Yeah. Wow. I mean. It's a cover your ass situation where yes. like to the public, we're saying this, but in no way are we enforcing this or let alone believe it. And also, if you're a, a teen and you're having thoughts of uh, suicidal ideation and your whole family are JWs, even if some little blurb on a website's like, well, you can go talk to a doctor, where's your support coming from? I mean, who's going to drive you to that doctor's appointment? You know what I mean? Who's who's going to help you do that if everyone in your life believes, you know, well, you should you should just pray more. Really, yeah. it's your fault. You should just pray more. Do more and that's pioneering when hours. your kid kills himself because nobody would would help them when they were screaming for help. And yeah. a lot of parents are like, "Well, it was Jehovah's will." And that's fucking heartbreaking. That's the part where you're right. Like as an adult in the organization, if you're like, well, I don't know, maybe you can at least walk to the bus stop and get it. But you're right. The isolation and the devastation of a kid. And that's the question of, you know, religious freedom. When should we as a society step in? And I think it's when vulnerable people like children are are at risk. Mm -hmm. In the book Deliverance at Hand, author and XJW James Zimmerman recounts the harrowing ordeal of his wife, Jennifer's difficult delivery of their son. In the days and months following her traumatic birth experience, Jennifer found herself overwhelmed with what was later recognized to be post-traumatic stress disorder and postpartum depression. That experience, coupled with the constant messages of Armageddon from the Watchtower meetings, that experience, coupled with the constant messages of Armageddon from the Watchtower meetings, caused extreme anxiety and suicidal ideation in Jennifer. She finally found solace and comfort in online forums with other new moms. But according to an elder at a meeting where Jennifer found comfort online, Satan was lurking. The couple was warned to stay away from apostate websites, effectively cutting Jennifer off from support. Though she was eventually able to obtain outside help from a licensed professional, many witnesses do not. They describe a worry that seeking mental health care can be seen as bringing reproach on Jehovah's organization. Any admission of the Watchtower organization's failures or its negative impact on someone's mental health is tantamount to blasphemy against Jehovah himself. And that's the thing with Jennifer. She said when she first went to the elders, it's like, well, you need to really um, spend more time with the the literature. You need to dive back in. And she's like, what am I going to dive into the literature that's saying all of the things that are traumatizing me, which is that the world is going to end. There's also questionable takes on babies, like whether babies would be saved or Jehovah would really know their soul. And that's the problem with making up proclamations of like, oh, we'll have a paradise on earth and we won't have pain anymore. And it's like, oh, well, well, I know, but you won't know your old life. Well, how do I know my family now? And they just, she got so upset with the idea of her son and being possibly her son being destroyed in Armageddon or the world, you know, having to survive with her son that the internal response was, oh, dive more into the literature. Mm-hmm. And then finally, when she found this out, the outside going, 
people on the internet going, you know, you got to talk to somebody. You might even need medication Mm -hmm. and that's okay. And she, she said, you know, I was so moved by the love of my son that I was like, I'm going to do whatever it takes because I want to be around and I want him to be around. And of course the therapist first thing is like, maybe you should lay off all the Armageddon stuff. And she's like, oh, that's like three times a week at meetings and all day, every day. And also on the weekends and we volunteer. And the therapist is like, you do you. I'm just saying it probably would help if you stopped looking at so much Armageddon Mm -hmm. stuff and wouldn't, you know, it did. Postpartum is no joke. It, it, I had it with both kids. It hit harder with Ella because I wasn't expecting it as much. So with Simon, I had my meds and everything lined up, ready to go. But the, it's not talked about a lot because there's a lot of shame, even though there shouldn't be because it is so common, but the thoughts you can have during that are already so scary and overwhelming. And you're like, how could I possibly be thinking these things? What's wrong with me? Oh my God. Like I'm a monster. What I shouldn't be a parent. And then it's like, no, you just went through in Jennifer's case or anybody's case, giving childbirth is a like the hardest thing you can do. It's exhausting. All you want to do is sleep for days afterwards. Instead, you have a newborn and you have all these hormones raging through your body that are causing you to feel and act and think all these ways that can be very scary. And then they want you to just look at like the worst imagery and hear about the worst things imaginable. That's just throwing gasoline on a fire. And you're being discouraged from seeking outside help when... I'll be goddamned if some old white man is going to look at me and tell me that instead of getting help for what I'm experiencing, having just had a child, which you cannot do, sir, Mm -hmm. tells me to dive further into my faith, go, go fuck yourself. (laughs) Right. I mean, seriously, the thought of look a mother and her her story is in deliverance at hand. And it's the thankfully the baby was OK. She ended up being OK. But it was a, a situation where she had a uh, an idea of what she wanted, a birth plan. And the, the hospital was kind of not listening to her. And she felt like she had no agency over her body. And there were some medical complications. And then the cutting of the umbilical cord. So you're right. Something like that that is so physically traumatic to be told by a man that the, just think. You're not thinking strong enough. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you know how fucking how much strength it takes to create human life from ne- from where was only your jizz, my man? Yeah, where yeah, was yeah, only yeah. your jizz? You, I, all you did was have a good time, and then I had to fucking carry this baby. It's hard as fuck for nine, ten months, yes. and then now I'm even like in a worse place mentally yeah. because I now physically have this child that I love, hopefully unconditionally. And Jennifer made the choice that all parents should make, and that's put your kids before some made-up religion. Yeah. And and you, you got to choose them because yeah. if you're going to bring them into this world, it's your responsibility to look after them and keep them as safe as possible. Yeah. And thankfully, they were able to – her parents were kind of a little bit more out of it. His parents were more into it, but they were able to – her sister kind of was um, – disassociated not fully disassociated but had kind of faded so she had a little bit of an easy time but i just can't imagine if you're pregnant your husband's not supportive and your family's not supportive and you are completely and wholly trapped that is yeah that's the true horror story what happened to her was bad enough but the folks that can't even get out oh yeah and it often ends in the worst possible way because if you're a prisoner of your own mental health struggles and 
are getting no help and are being told like, in fact, you shouldn't seek help. This is kind of your fault. You just need to pray right. more. That's not going to end well. I can't imagine 10 out of 10 times. That's not going to end well. No, that that read more and think better is not the answer. Mm-mm. On the resource guide for suicidal thoughts located in a public facing area of the Watchtower website, there is a strong emphasis on leaning on Jehovah and Watchtower literature in times of crisis. The site does mention the importance of contacting an outside professional, stating in a footnote, If your suicidal thoughts are intense and loved ones are unavailable, call a local crisis hotline or emergency number. I don't think you need to ever wait if your loved ones are, uh, even if they're available, they might not be the ones to talk this to. This is what really got me is the language written. And I might be nitty because I'm a lawyer and ifs and shalls and musts and shoulds are, are intense. Bitch, if you're having suicidal thoughts, that's intense. There's no like, I mean, there's a spectrum, but it's already intense. You're already having thoughts about killing yourself. Right. What this said to me was, if your thoughts aren't intense... And your loved one's available. Go talk to them. Don't mess yeah, with yeah, the yeah. crisis mm-hmm. center. Or if your thoughts are intense and you can talk to a loved one, go do that. But if both, then you can call the crisis center. But first, Lena, I mean, the amount of reference to Jehovah was overwhelming versus the top of the fucking article should just say, if you're having any thoughts or issues, 988's the number. Call it. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. You can get connected to help. This is buried halfway down the page in a footnote, and it's bullshit. Someone reached out to us with an interesting fact about 988 because they have been a volunteer for a suicide crisis line for 12 years. And if you are in another state, when you call 988, you need to let them know where you are because a lot of times it will trace um, where you are back to like the zip code to where your phone is registered. I see. So, so even if, if I had you're like, moved from Texas yeah. to California, mm-hmm. if I called 988 in California, I might get pushed to Texas, in which case I Correct. could just say, oh, actually, I've moved to California. Or if you're traveling or something or like traveling. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Just let them know. However, material located in the library meant for active witnesses warns people not to turn from religion to mental health treatment, stating, But is the turning of people from the clergy to the psychiatrists a healthy phenomenon? No. For it really is a case of jumping from the frying pan into the fire. They are worse off than they were before. That psychiatrists are not the ones to go to for help when one is depressed and beset with all manner of problems is to be seen from the fact that suicides among them are twice as frequent as among the population in general. I need some sources cited for these made-up facts and yeah, statistics. I was gonna say, a lot of the times there's stuff. One of them was just called, uh, I can't remember the name of it. It was like, science is a fraud. <laughs> it was just the cover story on one of them. I was like, I don't know about I've taken medication for depression and anxiety since I was in my early 20s. And I'm going to tell you that um, I'd be way worse off if I weren't taking those. Yeah. And I mean, I hope... Even surreptitiously, the folks that are in there are getting some type of access to medical or mental health medication if they wanted to. You know, even if a woman going for a, an annual exam saying it to a doctor or something like that. So there aren't people that are just completely told, like, don't worry about psychiatrists. You should just talk to the clergy. Mm-hmm. 
Citing this statistic is ironic, coming from the Watchtower. A study published by the British Journal of Psychiatry surveyed a group of witnesses in Australia and found that witnesses are more likely to be admitted to a psychiatric hospital than the general population. The findings also suggested that followers of the Watchtower are three times more likely to be diagnosed as suffering from schizophrenia and nearly four times more likely to be diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia than the rest of the population at risk. The Colt Education Institute published a survey of medical studies of witnesses that found all past studies demonstrate the level of mental illness is well above that of the population. And the British Journal um, made a point at the end of like, do the findings, it says the further studies would be interested to see if the findings indicate that pre-psychotic people are more likely to join this sect because they're interested in Armageddon type of thing, or if the membership itself brings about a breakdown. Mm -hmm. Like maybe people were like, could have been predisposed to it, but based on repeated exposure to things like the Armageddon thinking and whatnot could push them over the edge when they weren't going to already. It's a which came first chicken or the egg situation. Mm -hmm. And there's probably a bit from column A and a, a bit from column B. Right. Witnesses suffering from delusions are particularly at risk in an organization full of graphic apocalyptic imagery and a message that Satan is attempting to infiltrate every aspect of their lives. The indoctrinated doomsday beliefs not only lead to suicide, but in some cases can also lead to murder. A former witness named Lauren Stewart killed her husband and two adult children before completing suicide in Michigan in 2018. The family had been out of the faith for a decade after they were ostracized for the decision to allow their two children to attend college. Even after being shunned, friends told the Detroit Free Press that Lauren couldn't shake some of the group's more extreme beliefs, describing her as physically out but mentally in. Lauren was fixated on the end days, saying to a friend just six weeks before the murders, It's the end times. I know it is. In the note she left behind, Lauren parroted the JW belief that if someone dies on this side of Armageddon, they will be resurrected in paradise. A friend told the Free Press, Lauren said in the suicide note that she felt that by killing them, it was the only way to save them. She said she's sorry that she has to do this, but it was the only way to save them all. That same friend told the Free Press that she believes the indoctrinated doomsday fears, coupled with the shunning, helped cause this tragedy. I mean, that's worst case scenario. This is a uh, heartbreaking case to read about. Both of these children were in their early 20s. They were bright. They wanted to send them to college because they were so smart and excelled in computers. And one of them, I believe, was in uh, design of some sort. And they were both attending college and succeeding. And the shunning that they got because of that decision to help their children better their lives to go to college to go to college to learn to to gain more knowledge to help others right they're ostracized from everything they once know they lose their friends and family and this woman struggling clearly with mental health problems that she wasn't getting treated for thought she was doing what she needed to do to save her family. And at the same time, because Jehovah does not condone suicide, as we learned in episode one, she is sacrificing herself in a way to her, right. at least. Right. That she, or has 
justified it somehow in her mind, but you're right. Like that's the ultimate uh, mark, I suppose. Like they've said, you know, that's they JW's turn on. We've seen elders turn on congregant members who have died by suicide in such a negative and nasty way to be like, well, they made the old when you have been told sort of what she parroted in her suicide note of that's the only way to save my family. I have to save them. I have to save them. We're not practicing witnesses anymore. It's the only way to save them is to kill them. To be told that that black and white thinking, the dichotomy of you are either a witness and you're going to be in an, you know, a paradise on earth or you're going to be destroyed in this Armageddon. Well, I, I better get ahead of it and try to save us. Yeah. But I mean, you're setting, thing. you're setting everybody up for failure when yeah. the, the ultimate answer at the top is just, well, you got to pray more. Right. It's like, well, I've, I've, I'm praying from dusk till dawn and I'm still having these thoughts that I need to kill my family and then myself in order to, uh, make, make right with Jehovah. Well, I mean, what's, of course it's going to happen. There's no one that's, there's no support system. There's no one trying to, to help. There's no one following up. There needs to be an organization and perhaps there is, I'm sure there is where when people leave the, the organization, they almost have like a social worker that like checks in with them regularly to see like, how are you doing to help? I mean, when you're transitioning from like being unhoused to a, um, a section eight housing situation, there is a social worker that helps transition you with that and gives you resources and stuff. This seems like it should be the same thing because these people are just thrown to the wolves and just the door shut and they're never thought of or talked about again. Right. It's like, well, you're out, you're shunned and good luck with everything. And at the the pre-internet, I'm sure was much, much worse because you would have to rely on, um, in his book, James Zimmerman and his wife, they, they had saved the email addresses of a couple people that they had previously shunned and reached out and said, Hey, now we're getting shunned. And they're, and guess what the two shunned people did? They said, let's all go to dinner together. And they I all sat it. around. And they met each other's families. You know, they some have gotten married since they'd seen each other. So it's, again, that interesting thing that all the ones that leave seem to be the really kind-hearted ones mm-hmm. that give a shit about equity, justice, and caring. And so before the internet, I'm sure it was much, much worse. Thank God, at least for XJW, JW Facts, all those type of websites where people can Google and at mm-hmm. least, even if they have questions, you know, some of these so-called horrible apostate websites come up, but some sort of a landing pad of like, does anybody even know what to do for, I, I don't even know how to apply for an apartment on my own or I don't right? even know how to do stuff like that. I mean, that's what I mean. Like things that m- most of us take for granted. If you've grown up in this bubble, it's, what if you're like 18, you're like, I've never had a uh-huh. job. I don't know how to drive. Mm-hmm. I think I'm supposed to register to vote, but I've never been like, we're told not to. So, I mean, you're, you're like like we had in the Freaky Friday. It's like you're an alien dropped on another planet. You don't know even how like the basic things to do. We had uh, I saw a comment somewhere from someone that was like listening to this episode. I remember working with a guy that was like 19 that was a JW, and he said it was really sad because the kid had no understanding of 
social norms, you know, even like pop culture. So yeah. he would like he he couldn't relate to any of the other coworkers. They kind of thought he was weird, and so you isolate them even more because. And it's like, yeah, you 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 don't know. You're like friends, Seinfeld, The Office. What, like, you know what I mean? Like stuff. There's you can't relate to anybody that wasn't yeah. also a JW, but you're trying to not still be with that. So it's like you need like a class afterwards. Like now, so you left the witnesses. Now what? Yeah. And then it's like this is what you do. Here's a checklist. Here are resources of what you can do. Maybe we'll put something together like that right. with the help of others. <laughs> well, I think that's what actually Fearless Dallas, the organization I'm on the board of, is for that for women, young women coming out of foster homes, foster, mm -hmm. if you've aged out and it's just the founder just got dropped on, you know, dropped out at college and it was like, all right, go ahead, figure it out. And you're like, well, I don't know any of that. So maybe there should be a, a nonprofit that's uh, XJW run and, uh, can be that landing pad for everybody beyond just the the internet, which is already great. And if there is, please let us know because us. shout it. For the we will um, we'll definitely talk about it. Sinister Hood will be right back. A 2022 study in the journal Pastoral Psychology analyzed Lauren's case and some of her last videos posted online. Lauren discussed the need to protect her family from Armageddon. This need to control the immortality of the family was a key motive in a survey of familicide across perpetrators of all faiths. Sadly, Lauren's case is not isolated. The study also mentioned other JW families subjected to the devastation of familicide, including the Miller family from South Carolina, the Longo family from Michigan, and the Bryant family from Oregon. And this uh, pastoral psychology article is really interested, interesting for anybody that's further interested in the dynamic, the interplay between psychology and specifically JW faith and how it relates to other cases of it. But it sort of shows that like the teachings of the Watchtower make people particularly predisposed for mental illness yeah. because, or for at least just mental health problems that Arc can be situational in many cases and can be alleviated by extricating yourself from them. Absolutely. Medically recognized mental health disorders are not the only thing JWs encourage to pray away. Witnesses not only believe that homosexuality is a sin, but also a mental illness. Adam Van Wordham told ABC's Four Corners that he knew from a young age he was gay, something he grappled with having been born into the cult. From an early age, I knew I was gay, but I just never expressed it. The hostility in the congregations for gay people is, it's quite extreme. After decades of not being accepted for his true self, Adam left the JWs in 2019, telling interviewers, It has a massive effect when forever you're told that you can pray the gay away and you can make a big effort and with God's blessing, you can become straight, basically. Well, that's not how it works, and I think all. we all know that. And to be told that, um, it doesn't ever lead to anywhere good. No, and the the language they often use is lifestyle. The yeah, homosexual yeah, 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 yeah. lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Which implies it's a choice. And it's also, to me, a lifestyle is like, I like to vacation in the Hamptons during the summer. You <laughs> right. know? I mean, that's like a lifestyle. I, I prefer yachts. But to... Your uh, sexuality is not a lifestyle. 
No, not at all. But they do. I mean, it, literally, there's just a young people ask, which we heard in the Freaky Friday from a, an XJW is kind of a place that you go for answers when you're younger. And they just literally have a young people ask, is homosexuality wrong? Mm-hmm. And it just keeps asking, oh, well, so can you change? And it says, oh, yes, you can change. In fact, here's some Bible verses. And it's like, you're just taking these out of context. Also, you're wrong. Like yeah. just reading this over and over is not going to change something that you were, that that's how you were born. You know what I mean? It's just like, I can't pray for red hair as much as I want. I'm not going to get red hair. Not that I want red hair. I'm just using that as an <laughs> no, example. But yeah, you know what I mean? That's an inherent trait yes. to yourself of who you love and what you're predisposed to to find attractive, to be attracted to, certainly. But yeah, I mean, it, it gives a hypothetical, you're right, in this young people asking, it's like, David asks his parents, and what do I do because I'm having homosexual urges? No teenager in their life's ever said that, but you know what I mean? Like, you're probably like, I'm feeling a way, but this fake back and forth, David's parents encourage him that he won't stop having the fleshly desires, but he just must have the strength to resist those desires. Mm-hmm. And that we will all be happier if we simply conform to the standards. And that is just flat wrong. Yeah. The heteronormative standards that we we, we're comfortable with. The other, like the animated video of the little girl coming home from school and telling her mom, today at school, we all drew pictures of our families and Jenny drew two moms because she has two moms and and our teacher said that sometimes women marry other women and that's okay because they're in love and then everyone should be able to marry who they want what do you think mom and then the mom's like well that everyone's entitled to their own opinion but the only one that matters is what jehovah thinks and then she pulls out the bible and they open up and read it together so that's the message these kids are are given is like yeah Maybe that's what other people think, but not us. And it's very wrong. And little Jenny is going to die with urine up to her neck because she's got two lesbian moms. Yeah, Jenny and her moms are going to drown in the piss storm that mm-hmm. God is bringing for us. Yeah, it's rid- I mean, it is ridiculous to think that it's uh, all about the strength of mind. It's just the strength mm-hmm. of mind. Strength of mind is not going to stop me from, uh, you know, having the looking at what I want to look at. And also you shouldn't have to do that. You know what I mean? No. And like, if that's what you want to do, they're telling you, you can't be yourself because yourself is a sin. Yeah. So you need to change yourself in make yourself into the image that Jehovah intended because otherwise you're done. So, and yeah. that's, I mean, that's an impossible feat because it's just not something that can ever happen. So now you've set this kid up for most likely taking their own life, you know, unless they can somehow get out. And we've, we've seen from many that that is possible. So it is possible to get out and live your best life and your true authentic self, but it takes so much to do that. And you lose so much also doing that. And you're right. Absolutely. To to put it in terms of being gay displeases Jehovah. We must live to please Jehovah. Me living, I am gay, period. I'm going to be that forever. That's just how I was born. Therefore, by not, by being, by virtue of who I am fundamentally, I will never please Jehovah. 
I have to kill myself. Yeah. Like you can just see. Obviously, that's not true. This is a Jehovah. The way they made it is fake. It's not a real person. Everything they wrote is fake and a lie and is made up. I will go on record and saying that. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. twisted manipulation. But you can see that that thinking, again, that dualistic black and white thinking, I am the opposite of that. Therefore, I must be no more. Yeah. And it's and it's so sad. It's, it's um, so sad. It's very, very sad. And, you know, I mean, I think the same concept in a different way can be applied to Lauren and other people that feel like right. killing their whole family and then themselves is the only solution when right. it's never the solution and suicide is never the solution. But when you are in the depths of your own mental prison with no help, many times that feels like it is the only way out. And then that's the, the response is, Oh, you should just be stronger. So you can see how vulnerable people lose mm -hmm. their lives. Stephen Kemp was a lifelong JW when he came out to his family as gay in his twenties. In response, his entire family, parents, siblings, extended family, and all, ceased contact with him and treated Stephen, as they were told by the Watchtower organization, as if he were dead. Stephen's sister, Brandy Schmiedel, eventually went against church practice and reached out to her brother. They were able to rekindle their relationship and begin speaking again. But the isolation had been too much for Stephen. He completed suicide. Stephen left a note demanding no reference to JWs or religion upon his passing, calling it the source of where this all began. Stephen's uncle, Stephen Lett, is a current member of the governing body. Just months after his nephew's suicide, Lett made reference to an unrepentant homosexual. In a speech on the apocalypse, Stephen's sister Brandy was disgusted that Lett would bring up her brother, who had been shunned. She is calling for an end to the practice of shunning, deeming it inhumane. Through her advocacy, Brandy has had hundreds, if not thousands, of other JWs who were impacted by suicide or attempted suicide as a result of shunning reach out to her and share their stories. And she's a fierce advocate. She says, you know, I've got a lot to lose speaking out this way, oh, yeah. but the JWs ruined my brother's life. I mean, they took my brother's life. And if I can save one person, then any, you know, retribution, anything I suffer is worth it. And I'm sure you, you feel powerless, like you, and have a lot of regret. And you think if I could save one life, at least maybe his won't, wouldn't have been lost in vain. And for your uncle to be a member of the governing body and use that against you as a, as a bullet point in his sermon to his, his congregation as an example of what not to do yeah, is a level of cognitive dissonance that I can never understand. And yeah. I, I, it's, uh, I wish it didn't even exist. That's someone like that is not human. I, they, they can't to, to have, no empathy and compassion for your fellow humans when they're suffering. I don't understand how, especially when it's your own blood relative that you can look at it like that. It's, it's evil. It's so evil to, like you said, be able to put yourself because as a governing body member, he's got a lot to lose, you know, putting mm -hmm. your own self-interest over 
something like that of the safety, well-being, health of your family member that you love. Mm-hmm. I think it's also a way for um, people to not have to deal with grief or uh, things that make them uncomfortable. Because if you're always, well, it's whatever Jehovah thinks, you don't have to think and feel for yourself because you're just living to serve someone else instead sure. of living to serve your own self. Yeah. And the, and your fellow humans, how yeah. can I be better to help other more people? Not how can I uh, serve an imaginary thing in the works on earth really is just to avoid this horrible fate. Mm-hmm. Terry O'Sullivan, another former JW who now helps those who have left told the BBC, she has yet to find a former Jehovah's witness who has not experienced depression, alcoholism, suicidal feelings, or self-harm. The practice of shunning continues to this day, with one currently available video titled Loyally Uphold Jehovah's Judgments that instructs parents to remain loyal to Jehovah by avoiding all association with estranged family members and children, even small doses like texts and calls. And that's the thing about this organization. I'll say it again. It shouldn't shock anybody. They're full of shit and they're liars because they will say, well, we don't tell people to shun their families. And t-. yeah, you did seven different ways. Yeah. It's written. It's in lectures. It's in videos. It's in like, yes, you it's do. It's not even Stop. hidden. Like you don't Stop have to dig in. for it. You that can is- literally just go to like JW.org and it's all over the place. <laughs> so it's, it's insulting as an apostate, quite frankly, for you to think that like, we don't we don't see you for who you really are. And that's Stephen Lett. He'll go, apostate websites <laughs> will make up lies because they don't have time to look into the reading in the words of Jehovah. Bitch, I read so many pages. I read so many pages. Yeah. And you lie. You straight up lie. You, lie. you straight up lie. And also, your logic isn't logical. Nothing <laughs> you say makes sense. You talk in circles just to confuse people. You're like a politician, except yeah. even worse, which is yeah. fucking hard to do. So- God damn. Congrats. Congrats on that, Stephen Lett. You won the race to the bottom. Children born into Jehovah's Witnesses are not fully members until being baptized. On its website, the Watchtower states, You youngwood should understand that neither your parents nor the Christian elders in the congregation are going to force you to get baptized. The desire to serve Jehovah must come from you. However, XJWs have different stories. One XJW wrote online that their parents withheld the ability to get a driver's license until the teen agreed to be baptized. Footage of former governing body member Anthony Morris III seems to support this, offering a challenge for parents to give their unbaptized teens yearning for a car. Oh, I know how to handle a car when I'm 16, but you can't dedicate your life and get baptized, huh? Okay, let's just break this down. The desire to serve Jehovah must come from you. Well, when you're giving an ultimatum, it's not coming from you. It's coming because you want to get your driver's license so you can get some fucking freedom that you have been not allowed to have for 16 years. Right. And from another perspective, I've also seen where, oh, I got baptized when I was 10 because I knew it would make my parents so happy. They said to me, oh, my God, Christy got baptized. And did you see how happy her parents were? Mm-hmm. Boy, Heather, it'd be really nice. But it's your choice. Obviously, it's your choice. And you're a 10 year old and you're like, 
fuck it. I'll get baptized. Well, well, I got, yeah. I've gotten baptized for a lot less than just making my parents happy. In <laughs> fact, it was a cake from Walmart and a admission to the Mesquite Aquatic Center where I was baptized at the end of the slide by Pastor Charlie Brown. But you this, know what I mean? Like, that entire thing you just said sounds like a fever dream, but I know it's a hundred percent true. And that is how you get somebody baptized. Kate, slide, Charlie Brown. Maybe he dresses up like Charlie Brown. That could be fun. You really lean into that. But you're using yeah. things that you know your kids want. I mean, that's it's just sad. All of this I've told you offline and to Tommy. Like I've just like walked into rooms multiple times over the past week and been like sobbing and like, can yeah. I just have a hug? Because yeah. I it's it's things with kids really, really, really get to me. And to know just like how, how much pain all of these kids have gone through yeah. and all of the emails we get, they're just, everyone was hurting so bad mm-hmm. and still hurts, but they're on the other side of it and getting help. But they all just talk about how lonely and sad they felt. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if I knew that my kids were feeling that way, I, I would do anything in my power to take that from them. And instead, these parents are turning their turning their cheek and choosing a made up figment of their imagination to follow instead of caring for the your flesh and blood that's right in front of you. Yeah, and that's you're right. That's a hard. It's hard for the kids as they are experiencing it because they definitely don't even have the words to explain how badly they feel, whether it is, Oh, I'm diving headfirst into this because mother and father, it makes them happy and I can be a better kid or, ugh, well, if I don't do it, then the alternative, you know, it's a carrot or a stick, whatever. But like, you're right. Then as they get older to look back and be like, there's words for how isolated I felt Mm -hmm. and how sad I felt. And the anger that you have to reconcile from your family members or whatever who saw that going on and didn't do anything to step in or help. And this feeling of your own parent, one of the Asher was their name. One of the um, XJWs in the vice versa documentary said, you know, his parent, his mother got sick and his grandmother made this choice to not get a blood transfusion and killed her and stuff. And he said, when I saw that, I was like, Oh shit they're serious about this, that my grandmother just killed my mom in front of me Mm -hmm. for how serious this is. And I was like, I'm on my own. Mm -hmm. So it's like then, so then as a kid, you learn whether it's, you know, because Asher's mom was really young when she got pregnant with him. And so, you know, it was kind of like the grandma kind of raised him and stuff. But when you're your central parent figure, you've seen them say, I choose this made up religion. I choose this organization. I choose these old men that we go see once a week. I choose them over you. That the feeling, I just want to say to anybody that grew up in that, I'm so sorry that you ever felt like that. Cause I, mm-hmm. I, you hear it in Asher's voice of like, why wasn't I enough? Why didn't my mm-hmm. mom pick me? Why didn't my grandma pick me? And it has nothing to do with you. It's just like, they got sold a bill of goods and they got roped into something and preyed on for whatever reason. That's what I, the real insidious part is the people that are so delusional with it. And that's what Asher's grandmother seemed like, well, no, your mother wanted to die. She loved it. She, that's what she wanted. She, yeah. Was, she was happy to do it, but to feel like I'm not even worthy that my parents would pick me over whatever this bullshit is, has got to, it's got to sting. Oh yeah. And I mean, we, in the most recent Freaky Friday, there were several people that 
now have kids and talk about like, now that I have my own kids, it's kind of, you see your own pain through a new lens Yeah, because like, this is how I felt at that age. I can't imagine my own kid feeling like having to sit in the hallway while every, all the kids sang happy birthday and you're just sitting there staring at your little hands and your little lap, you know, not able to participate in anything. And it's, as the parent yeah. that went through that, as when, from the perspective as, as a child, you're like, oh, mother and father couldn't help me. This is just Jehovah's will. And isn't this so hard? But then once that child grows up, has a kid of their own, that's being isolated, they realize I'm empowered to fucking mm-hmm. do something. And the easiest thing is get the hell out of here. Are we going to lose friends? Is it going to be hard? Is it going to be, but get the hell out and save that kid. And I think you're right. It's that generation of those that had been born into it that now have gotten older and gone, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 not, not on my watch. That happened to me. It's not happened to my kid. It can be likened to any abusive relationship. You know, I mean, if, if all of this, we were talking about a, um, abusive father and husband, no one would question like, yeah, you should leave. You should yeah. get out. Yeah. But when it's under the guise of religion, suddenly, People think about it differently. Well, you know, no, it's still abuse. It's just wrapped in a different package. The men that are abusing you are just living in upstate New York and there's nine of them now. Yeah. And they don't live in your house. May I put it out there to any, if you're physically in, but mentally out and you're listening to this safely and you can contact us safely, or if somebody just, you happen to know the drama with governing body member, Anthony Morris, the third uh, cause I just said there's nine governing body members. They added one and it's been said that they added an extra member in order to vote him out because of some unknown drama. But if there's any, um, extra W's or current ones that know what's going on with that governing body member, because it's wild to have a, a person who's supposedly anointed by God all of a sudden six or eight months ago, like has to quit his job. Yeah. If you know the drama to get kicked out as an elder, it's got to be pretty serious. Or as a governing body member chosen yeah. by God. He, I mean, yeah. he was in charge of Bethel. His vi- face is all over all the videos. He wrote a bunch of lectures. I mean, he is he's the one that said, don't give him a car until they get mm-hmm. baptized. I mean, he was up there, and then all of a sudden, he's like quietly sort of left and is being erased from the website. But back to your point of if it was an abusive family, if an abusive husband or father or whatever, why do we allow it then if it's some rando in New York mm-hmm. who has been quote unquote anointed by God and apparently can be unanointed if he's upset someone. Mm-hmm. The choice whether to be baptized has lasting consequences. If a baptized JW exits the faith, it is mandated that their family discontinue association with them, treating them as if they were dead. If they're not baptized and choose to leave, it is then up to the family whether to shun the XJW with some more staunch adherents choosing to cut off contact entirely. And this can apparently be a loophole if you're like, ah, I'm kind of growing up in it, but I think I want to leave, but I don't want to lose my family. Mm-hmm. Just slow roll the baptism as long as possible. Yeah. And uh, we've seen that and also kind of like, well, just fade off into the distance. Right. You don't have to announce you're leaving and because that way your family also doesn't have to announce that they're going to disown mm-hmm. you. Sinister Hood will be right back. Watchtower literature may claim the young ones are not forced to be baptized, but the stark reality is that many children in the Watchtower organization are forced to do much, much worse. While that same literature also claims the outside world is evil, 
the rampant sexual abuse, systematic cover-ups, and ongoing criminal investigations point to a whole lot of evil going on right inside the Kingdom Halls. If you or anyone you know are experiencing suicidal thoughts, please know help is available. Text 988 to receive support during a mental health crisis. The 988 Lifeline provides 24-7 free and confidential support for people in distress, prevention and crisis resources for you or loved ones, and best practices for professionals in the United States. The federal government will conduct a nationwide test of the emergency alert system on Wednesday afternoon. The test messages will be sent to all cell phones, televisions, and radios. The test will emit sound and, on phones, vibration. The test is scheduled to begin at about 2.20 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday, October 4th. And we say this because those that are in abusive situations of any kind that might have a phone that they do not want others to know about, just be aware that this is happening. Yeah, go put it in the trunk of a car or hide it somewhere. Bury it in the backyard. I think even uh, you can't take the battery out of phones, and I believe it Mm -hmm. will still sound even with it off. It's, yes. It sounds right when it comes back on, I think, maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah. uh, It's, this is a concern for lots of people for lots of different reasons, and something that uh, I don't think the federal government really took into consideration Right. I'm like, you just text me. You don't have to make it make a sound. Send yeah. a silent text like everyone else. I love the be. NPR article was also like, in the event an actual emergency happens on this day, the At test will be postponed. I'm like, how are we supposed to know? Come Wait, on. yeah. What if they project blue beams going live <laughs> tomorrow? No, but for real, like, that's a great question is how would we know? They're like, it's not a test. Well, wouldn't a test say it's not right, a test? Exactly. It like it was real. But no, you're right. Uh, it is vital for people who are in precarious situations where their only means of communication are a, a secret phone. We hope you hear this Wednesday, October 4th. And we hope that the government doesn't do this anymore because it sounds like it can put people in danger. Yeah. So what do we think? I just shook my head. Yeah. Um, I think y'all heard. I got a lump in my throat that's been there for weeks now. It's, uh, it only gets worse the more you dig into it, which, uh, is never a good thing. Usually, you know, you're like, oh, maybe this is the worst thing. And then you read stuff and you're like, okay, this makes me feel a little bit better. That is yet to happen. Yeah, we've been um, going through a lot of, like we said, human rights abuses um, through the past two episodes. And we haven't even begun to talk about not only abuse of children, but also willful knowledge of and cover up of the abuse of children. So the fact that we even have to get to that part to get to the how insidious they are, it's it just shows you how bad this this organization truly is. I mean, it's just like we said, we've had to decide in what order to arrange all of these human rights abuses. The next episode is going to be real, real rough. It's definitely going to have um, focus mostly on uh, child sexual abuse. So if that's not for you, I totally get it. It's been very hard for us to learn about as well, but Knowledge is power, even if that knowledge is heartbreaking. Truly. And that's the only thing I can keep thinking. And if whoever hears this, 
whatever we do in our lives, I think we're not defined by what we label ourselves as, as a Jehovah's Witness or whatever. We're defined by how much good that we can do for other people. And what can, can like Brandy Schmiedel said, like if I can save one person's life, and I know that it, not everybody listens in XJW, maybe you're just curious, you've seen it, there's a kingdom hall in your neighborhood. I'm not telling you to go storm the kingdom hall and kick the door open, but people that you know that may be involved in this, you know, maintaining a friendship, a relationship with them. I'm guilty of this. I know uh, I'm thinking about JWs in my life. I'm like, oh, we haven't talked in a minute. I just want to just reach out and be like, how's it going? How are things? Mm -hmm. So that they know there's a lifeline, that they know that the world really isn't this uh, flaming, horrible place run by Satan. That some days it feels like that, certainly. Yes, yes. But we also have sunsets. We also have the State Fair of Texas. We also have <laughs> movies with your friends. We also have mm -hmm. a really good ice cream cone sitting on a bench walking, watching people walk by. And I think why I get so... Uh, heartbroken about this and we both for we both are heartbroken entirely and for a lot of the same reasons and one that just keeps getting me over and over again is just the there's no reason for the the pain and suffering like mm -hmm. it's not like at the end of this you know it's gonna there's not the people, the family members that sign up for this, that get people knocking on their doors, most of the time they're looking for something. They're vulnerable. They mm -hmm. need something. And they are ensnared into an organization and end up w pulling their families into this organization and birthing children into this organization that then it feels so sad to me that it feels like lives are wasted, that it's not that they're out doing a lot of good works and helping a lot of different people like that. But to them, you know, they are, and that's the but problem. The, but I was just saying, like, they're, they're, it's, but regardless of that, I'm just saying overall as a whole, they're not out. It's not like Habitat for Humanity. Right, right, they're right. Building, they're not building houses. No, they're building shit for themselves. So it's to serve a selfish and whole purpose. Yeah. Now, is it they're fed a line by the governing body that it's all in the name of Jehovah and it's to save you? And certainly I get that. What I'm saying is, they're being scammed. Oh, and yeah. that's what makes me really bummed about this whole thing, to put it lightly, that really wrecks me about it, is that so many people for so many years have been so badly scammed mm -hmm. to the point that I can't even feel bad. Like, I don't look at JWs and go, oh, if person joined that, what an idiot. I think, oh, my God, that person must have been at a really tough time in their life that they thought that that was going to be the answer. Or they were born into it. Or they were born into it and they've got no choice at it. And so from from my perspective, I think the sad thing is the waste of lives and the more that uh, all of us as a society to do to get to people and say, you don't have to live like this. Children, vulnerable women, vulnerable LGBTQ people, people with mental health problems. You don't have to live like this and you don't have to remain trapped by this. And that's the issue I think we're at in the United States with the you know, you want to have freedom of association and freedom of religion, but you also have, I think, a compelling interest on behalf of the government to save lives, to ensure children are not killed because of this the blood decisions that we're going to talk about in the next one. Abuse. People are not dying by suicide or murdering their families because they are encouraged to have proper scientifically vetted medical treatments for things. And so the more we can all do to, I think, just keep eyes on the Watchtower organization and keep hands outstretched for people that want to get out. Mm -hmm. I think that's at least going to be how, what, because we're always like, well, what can I do about this? Something yeah. like that, of being that hand in the community and saying, you know, you don't have to live like that. Yeah. And, you know, I think you made a good point of if you have friends or, um, 
family that you can get in contact with safely that might still be a JW or trying to get out, let, not coming at it from a, you got to get out of this situation, but just saying like, Hey, how's it going? Just so they know like, Oh, well, they're not in this and they're mm-hmm. nice and friendly and they didn't burn up in a fiery hell. So, okay. You know, I mean, yeah. it, pressing people too much can also can often cause them to, you know, lean in even harder and retreat yeah. more, but just being uh, an open ear, a, a, a loving heart, you know, to, Certainly. to listen to people. And then, there also is time for action. Things have to be done like voting on laws that can protect children in these types of situations. So it's not always just like lending a a helping hand, but getting out there and being more of an advocate in a more loud way. Yeah, certainly activism. And that's the all of part three is rife with beautiful, strong, brave advocates that are working for these kids. Yeah. That is that is true. There are a lot of people that are working to help these kids, and it sucks that that is uh, something that even has to be done. Right. I think the statistics that we will discuss in next week's episode are jaw-dropping. Yeah, it is. You know, everyone kind of jokingly says, like, oh, do the Catholic Church next. If you at all were like, oh, the Catholic Church abuses kids, they did, probably some still do, but the response as a whole, we're going to see day and night the response between Catholicism and Jehovah's Witness. And the guy that sued both of them a lot was kind of like, yeah, the Catholics clean their shit up. I can't even sue them anymore. But the JWs, they keep digging in. And that's what it is. Well, digging in. I don't agree. I don't 100% agree with that sentiment. But because I think the Catholics still do a lot of shit and did not clean up a lot of their shit. They're, uh, we can talk to Canada about that one. The 10,000 children's bodies that have been found after. Yeah, no, that was just, uh, he narrowly only sued you know. for the child molestation <laughs> stuff. Yeah, he was, he was narrowly talking about that There's part. also a lot of uh, abuse and molestation that still occurs within the Catholic Church. But I think that can be said of all religions. I think yeah. there's a spectrum and religions fall on the spectrum. And I to me... And I say this respectfully as a person that has many family members and friends that do subscribe to a religion, but, and I don't necessarily mean this um, in maybe the harshest, as harsh as it's going to sound, but I think all religion is a cult on a spectrum of some degree. And maybe some you have that's really, really bad, like JWs and others, it's not, you know, quite as bad, but everybody at the end of the day that subscribes to an organized religion is trying to serve and live their life for a, hi- a higher power. Yeah, I think you're, the spectrum is a good way to put it because you're like, oh, well, this one I can leave. This one I cannot mm-hmm. leave. This one I have to give all my money to. This one I just, it's like 10%. This one so. I'm not shunned if I decide I, yeah. it doesn't jive with me anymore. So like, yeah, for sure. there are uh, It's absolutely a spectrum. All that to say, that was just kind of going off of the Catholic thing because we have received a lot of emails about um, problems and abuse that ex-Catholics have suffered at the hands of the church. Oh, yeah. So it's hard for me to say they've cleaned up their shit when I've been reading about a lot of stuff from our listeners that speaks otherwise. Yeah, right.
If you like our free episodes, you'll love our Patreon bonus content. You can join for free to see what we're up to next or dive into over 500 hours of bonus content. What have we got up there right now, Heather? Oh, we just recently did a, an Ask Reddit. We got all into all kinds of music. We've got a True oh, Crime yes. Headlines coming up for you this week that's got some updates on some cases as well as uh, some stuff we've covered before as well as a new case that's ongoing. Uh, so, yeah, we've always got something going on on Patreon. We always got something going on. And for recent patrons, thank you so much for supporting the show and make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. You can also head to SinisterHood.com and click shop on the top banner to check out Sinisterhood merch like t-shirts, mugs, totes, stickers, and even clothes for your kiddos. And for a limited time, we've just launched our TikTok shop. So head over to TikTok shop. You can order, uh, I think it's orders over $20, have free shipping in the U.S. There's some other deals on there. It says on there each one what's going on for what thing. But yeah, go to our TikTok and order something from the old TikTok shop. <laughs> you be TikTok the guinea shop. pig because this is so just like it's it. from the Great Depression, from another era. But and you can also watch some great TikToks while you're there some too. Lovely, yes, the lovely videos. But yeah, go over there and be the guinea pig because we've only just launched it and we don't really know how it works. So <laughs> let us know. <laughs> let us know how it works out for you. <laughs> While you're on SinisterHood.com, you can also review the show, follow us on socials, and check out the episode description of the show for more fun like topic-based playlists and links to live show tickets. Follow us on Instagram and threads and X and everything at Sinisterhood Pod. Like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. We're also on YouTube and, like we said, on TikTok at Sinisterhood Podcast. And you can find us on Cameo where you can book us for a custom video shout-out. You can have us say happy birthday, happy anniversary, I love you, good luck on your test, whatever message you want us to deliver to the Sinisterhood fan in your life. We would love to do it, but go to Cameo.com slash Sinisterhood and book us in a, and it's a good gift if you need like a last minute gift mm -hmm. or a gift that's unique. It's a cameo. Yes. Way to I love a, I love a unique gift and I love yes. a gift that, uh, the person doesn't have to find a place for in their house. Right. You <laughs> know, also that you're like, Oh, I'm going to put this <laughs> cameo lives on in your heart forever. At true. And you, you can keep the video so you can that watch it over and over. There you go. Where are you at on the internet? I'm on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm on the internet at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Here are your special Patreon shout outs. Fred Maxson. Escapism 15. Kate, Carissa Conway, Trixie Bones, Becky Kite, Lindsay Power. Thank you, we Lindsay. You. Cielo Fonseca, Diva Evans, Cassandra Kersey, Carissa, Jen McDee, Taylor Phillips, Mimi, Brittany and Worley. Thank you so much for supporting the show. We could not do this without you. We hope we pronounced all of your names correctly. We love you. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it creepy. Mwah. Sin